From the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, September 18th. I'm Brian Walsh. Today, the gang's all back together. I'm joined by David Bank and Imogen Rose-Smith, regulars on Impact Alpha's Returns on Investment podcast. Here today to talk about resetting, or is it reimagining capitalism? Hi, Imogen. Great to have you back on the podcast. It's great to be back. And hi, David. Hey, Brian. Thanks for hosting us. Of course. And we'll have some provocative comments from Inclusive Capital's Jeffrey Ubbin, the hedge fund manager turned impact investor, who is this week's agent of impact. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in impact investing. The fires in the West and hurricanes in the Gulf put the climate emergency front and center, even while COVID-19 rages on. Fusing climate action to the COVID recovery may be the solution for both. At this week's UN General Assembly and next week's Climate Week, global leaders are trying to breathe life into the stalled climate action agenda and the sustainable development goals. The money is there, as the commitment of $5 trillion in COVID aid and stimulus proves. As the former U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry said, it's a question of willpower. The British oil giant BP has declared the arrival of peak oil and is forecasting an unprecedented drop in demand for fossil fuels. There were a spate of sustainability bonds and loans. Mexico's $890 million SDG bond targeting hunger, health, education, work, and infrastructure is the first sovereign sustainability bond. Aligned, the big data center operator closed $1 billion in credit to green its data centers with renewable energy. And it will get a break on the interest rate if it hits certain sustainability goals. And Orange, the French mobile operator, issued a 500 million euro sustainability bond, 60% for energy efficiency and recycling, and 40% for digital and social inclusion. Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium secured $10 million. The consortium is tackling a glaring lack of investor and philanthropic attention. So far, it has provided $300,000 in grants. And get ready for the Impact SPACs. SPACs stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company, and they're the hot new trend on Wall Street. You raise hundreds of millions of dollars for a, quote, blank check or shell corporation, and then use the proceeds to buy a real company. This week, Bridges Fund Management and AEA investors filed to float a $400 million Impact SPAC to invest in, yes, companies contributing to the SDGs, or outperforming on environmental, social, and governance, or ESG factors. Last week, private equity giant TPG had a similar filing. Subscribers to The Brief got these stories and more in their inbox this week. You can read more at impactalpha.com. And now it's time for our roundtable reunion. Now seems like the right time to bring back Imogen Rose Smith and David Bank to sort out the future of capitalism. No small task. The manifestos and campaigns are flying. David, what is going on? Well, Brian, the immediate hook for much of this week's activity was the 50th anniversary of Milton Friedman's kind of famous essay that kicked off the era of shareholder primacy. The social purpose of business is to make more profits, he said. As listeners of, of these podcasts know, there's been a big push to replace that with stakeholder capitalism that includes workers, communities, suppliers, uh, the environment. So a consortium of groups called Imperative 21 launched a campaign to reset capitalism around a set of themes that will sound familiar. Reset for shared prosperity, reset for free and fair markets, reset for climate action. 
at the same time, the Omidyar Network uh, rolled out its Reimagining Capitalism Initiative, which stresses worker empowerment, new rules for Wall Street. Um, and here's Omidyar's Chris Jurgens. From a narrative perspective, there is an opportunity and an imperative to more strongly link the impact investing movement to this reimagining capitalism, fixing what's broken with our current economic system uh, moment. And in fact, to be relevant and present in this moment, I think we have to get clear around how impact uh, investing can address the biggest systemic challenges of the day, inequality, injustice, climate, concentration of power. So Imogen, what do you make of all this hoopla? <laughs> it's interesting. You have both of these groups that have recognized what is a clear problem in capitalism that, you know, the wealthy 0.01% are getting richer and that's coming at the cost of the American worker and really even now at this point sort of the American middle class. And we've seen that be exacerbated and exaggerated with COVID-19. Right. The most obvious example is sort of Amazon and what's going on in the stock market. And the sort of this rich is getting richer. Meanwhile, we have sort of vulnerable frontline workers who are having to work three jobs during COVID just to cover the bills. Right. And there is and you're seeing this crisis play out in Congress. You're seeing it play out in business and you're seeing it play out in our communities. So it's not really a surprise that the not for profit sector and it's certainly not a surprise that the impact investing com community has identified this as a massive and growing problem. The issue is we have a solution to this. It's called organized labor, right? And the organized labor movement has been systematically dismantled in the US really since, you know, start going back to some of the 1930s, right? And so, you know, to, for example, have, you know, bring together, so, so the media proposal is interesting because it does, to its credit, it mentions organized labor and it says, yes, you know, unions are important but unions have been weakened, therefore we need other solutions, right? And certainly, to be clear, there are a lot of problems with organized labor, and there are a lot of problems with organized labor in the US, right? So it's not as if, you know, organized labor is amazing. But, like, the concept of protecting and empowering workers is in the DNA of, of the labor movement. And so, you know, to not have... Imperative 21 doesn't have any representation from labor in their proposal, even as they're using the sort of imagery and language of the labor movement, which to me is crazy. So I think that clearly you're seeing these groups and groups like them identify the problem. But I think the issue is, is that the solution on a fundamental level means, A, truly empowering workers, not just sort of doing it in a benign, oh, little people kind of way. And B, it means taking away money and power from the rich. And so when you have sort of the, the you know, and... Paul Tudor Jones, who is, you know, is the backer of Just Capital, who is one of the groups behind Imperative 21, is very well known to be anti-organized labor, right? And so there's always a problem when you have sort of the ultra-rich trying to solve these kind of global systemic problems, which at the end of the day really have to do with wealth and power. Brian, there's a kind of interesting play going on here that 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 Imogen's bringing up, which is, you know, some of this was aimed not only at the skeptics of this new stakeholder capitalism, which there are many, the Wall Street Journal has been opining against it recently, but also the actual 
supporters. So you remember a year ago, the 180 or so CEOs pledged themselves to a statement around the new purpose of the corporation promoted by the business roundtable, also no longtime you know, friend of the labor movement. Um, and there's been a growing realization that that pledge was you know, empty rhetoric for at least many of them. Um, so in some sense, the new efforts can be seen as an attempt to kind of relight that fire and hold their feet to the fire. But as Imogen says, it can also be seen as a way to kind of uh, maybe placate some of that energy. There's a there's a line in the in the Imperative 21 campaign that that sort of poses the alternatives as as on the one hand, retreat in the face of all the challenges we face or revolt, which is an interesting one, but says, no, the thing we should really be doing is redesigning and resetting. So so fans of revolt may not like the campaign that much. Well, and I think that's part of the reason they're doing this, right? They're, you know, they're terrified that there is going to be a revolt. They realize that a very small number of people hold a large amount of money. And they think, my God, if I was in that position, you know, I'd be storming the barricades. So how do we kind of try and keep that, keep dumping that down? Again, instead of thinking about questions like, you know, why doesn't the US have a welfare state? Why don't we fund government to do the things that, you know, if you were in Europe, you'd think the government is meant to do. And so, like, and it, it's not to say that, like, these proposals aren't well-intentioned and that, like, they're not trying to, gen- they don't have sort of a genuine desire to address these issues. But the the tools, you know, and they, they talk about how, like, you know, the, the immediate proposal talks about how, like, organized labor, you know, built the American middle class, built the American dream in the 21st century. And like somehow that's no longer the case. Well, the reason it is no longer the case is because we as a society have gone out of our way to dismantle it, right? And so that's political reform. That's, you know, tax reform. That's campaign finance reform. It's it's a series of things that have happened and a series of decisions that have been made that have led us to the point. And like a little pledge ain't gonna fix it, right? Well, and the and the and the and the litmus test or the acid test, I guess, for impact investors is kind of which side of that divide you're on that, that Imogen is describing. So, for example, I- impact investing is, uh, you know, I think has kind of been shown and, and even in this downturn, you know, yes, competitive returns, ESG is all the rage in, 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 in ETFs and, and mutual funds. The, the thing that hasn't really been shown is whether, you know, you know, is the impact and, and whether, whether the, the, this, this approach to investing actually brings forth you know, not not just the same old thing for 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 asset managers and, and wealth managers, but actually a more just and inclusive future. And for that, really, you probably have to go a level deeper. So the, one of the pushbacks on these kinds of things has been, you know, where are the grassroots and community organized, you know, and the community level folks who should be building this new society? Is it really just another set of Foundations and Wall Street types, you know, sort of, um, you know, you know, laying down some some high minded rhetoric um, without really changing things. So is this new sustainable, inclusive uh, capitalism model, is it truly worker friendly? Can it be uh, truly worker friendly while also being plutocratic friendly as well? I mean, that's my point. You've got to recognize the, that you're the problem, right? Like you kind of got to be like, we have found the problem and it is us. And you've got to be willing to give something up and if you're not willing to give something up and really look at, at how we can achieve 
true reform, then it's, you know, and, and look, we've had, you know, over a decade of impact investing, over a decade of popularity of ESG and the social problems that we're trying to solve are just getting worse. So, which is not to be defeatist, but like clearly something is not working. So Imogen, when you say that you have to give something up, who is the you and what is the something up? The wealth and power, right? That the, oh, the sort of the people at the very top of the pyramid who hold the, you know, the majority of the wealth and the majority of the power and, and who are seeing that increase, if you really want to see social change, then it's you've got to recognize that, yeah, you need to, to empower organized labor. You need to have more of a welfare state, and that probably means tax reform. That probably means, like I said, campaign finance reform. It means giving money back to society in ways that isn't just philanthropic. And it means, and yeah, it means giving organized labor a seat at the table, even with all the flaws of organized labor. I miss our conversations, <laughs> Imogen and Brian. We got to bring back, we got to get the band back together. We do. Indeed. Well, that's going to do it uh, for this episode of Returns on Investment. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> old, old habits die hard. You can see more about these new models of capitalism on Impact Alpha. Thank you, Imogen. And thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Now it's time for this week's Agent of Impact, Inclusive Capital's Jeffrey Ubbin. The founder of Value Act, a $16 billion activist hedge fund, announced in June his plan to turn coat on traditional finance in favor of impact investing in public markets. This week at the Bloomberg Green Festival, he made the case for his thesis and managed to call out ESG investing at the same time. We're an environmental and social activist return-driven investor, probably the first that I know about. Uh, ESG is not change-oriented, it kind of tends to reward companies that are already doing well or reward them for basic hygiene issues. So ESG does not create change. It may make people feel good. It may be a great way to, to grow your asset management business, but we're, you know, we're gluttons for punishment. We like to create the value and be part of the change. While there's been a healthy dose of skepticism around the investment thesis and whether or not Ubbin is the person to lead the way, the fact is that he's raising a lot of money and is taking direct aim at the sustainability challenge. We want to go into legacy businesses, and we want to make them change faster. You can see Ubin and all of our agents of Impact on Instagram, at Impact Alpha. That's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. You can read all of these stories at impactalpha.com. Subscribers receive the brief and full access to Impact Alpha, including subscriber-only agents of Impact calls. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use code BRIEFING100 for $100 off. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Imogen Rose Smith and David Bank, as well as our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company, LiquidNet. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show right now. It really helps us reach more listeners. And make sure you check back next week for the latest impact investing news. Until then, take care.